Okay, I am so excited to be here tonight. I am so glad that you're here. Um, I love being here with people that love God. It is totally awesome. After, you know, a couple days of work, you're out there with the world where not, maybe not everybody cares so much for God's opinion. It is nice to be around other people who are just striving to be like God and want to be with him. It is just a beautiful thing. And I have enjoyed so much, so much being on Simply Holy with so many of you. I'm telling you, it's so funny because uh, I there's people that I would never really know, you know, because we're from different, you know, sort of walks of life. And then, but I actually feel like I know them, you know, and then you see them, it's kind of creepy. Like, oh, I know, I'm praying for you. But that's not creepy, that's great. But it's just weird because we're not, you know, like involved in each other's lives on any other base. So that's awesome. But I am very excited to be here tonight because um, I have been very much enjoying preparing for the season of Advent. And I have, uh, you know, it's something I've, I discovered and uh, have been getting deeper into over the past couple of years, and uh, I've just been very excited about it this year, getting into it. And as I've been getting up early with God and just spending time with Him, um, I have to spend a lot of time with God because I made this pledge that I was not going to have any temper talk, I was not going to yell for 70 days, so... I spend a lot of time with God. So um, I was getting up early and talking to him, and I just got to start reading the story of Jesus' birth. And it's a story that actually, uh, for so many years, honestly, I think I was just numb to it. It's just too many mangers, too many babies in the manger with the Santa Claus on top. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. It's just a, a numbing story. And over the past couple of years, I feel like I've been awakened to the greatest gift in the world. And so I've been reading it in, in each, and, uh, each year a little bit more. And um, this year I was very excited because I, I feel like I'm getting to know all of the characters really in depth. And so God has been waking me up and showing me these incredible things about all of these characters that come along with the, the birth of Jesus. And I was so excited about it. And I was looking forward to tonight to try to hopefully share some of what's been going on in my brain with you. So hopefully it will help you. And then I re- then at the same time I went, oh no, uh, we're supposed to be doing the solas, and I'm right in the middle of the solas. I, I can't get into that yet. And then I went, it's Christ alone. Are you kidding me? Tonight's sola is Christ alone. And I was, God, you are amazing, you know. And so everything that He has been teaching me actually goes perfectly with what we're going to talk about tonight. And um, I actually am having one of those experiences where the things that are in my brain are really, really huge. And like, there's a lot going around in my brain and I'm like really excited about it. So there is absolutely no way I'm going to be able to communicate that. <laughs> you know, and if I just had to come with a peace with the fact that I am never going to be able to fully put into words the things that I'm feeling and thinking in my head, but I'm going to do my dead level best. So I hope that you can be benefit from some of the things that I am learning tonight. So we're going to have our passage. The passage for tonight is going to start in Luke 1. And tonight, uh, I want you to turn over to Luke 1, verse 5, and we're going to start reading here. And I'm not reading from my NIV tonight. I am reading from my, uh, this is the New Living Translation. That is because, oh good, I got some fans out there of the New Living. Uh, And that is because... um, I have a chronological Bible that's New Living, and so uh, whenever the Christmas season comes around, I'm always back in my chronological Bible because I want to read all, I I like the way it lines up all the Gospels. You know what I'm I'm talking about? So that you're like, oh, I got the full picture, I got the whole story. So anyway, I'm reading from that, so it might be a little different, but if you start in verse 5 of Luke 1, it says this, it all begins 
with a Jewish priest, Zechariah, who lived when Herod was king of Judea. Zechariah was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. And I want you to think about what was just said, that he was considered righteous in God's eyes. Would you love that to be said about you? I mean, we're talking about, I mean, this guy was a, he's, he's a priest. He comes from a line of priests. His wife came from a line of priests. These are people who have given their life to God. <laughs> they are all about God. They are at everything, okay? They are pillars. And then the next sentence says, they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And now they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary and burn incense in the Lord's presence. Okay, that's another thing. Crazy. So this guy is allowed to be where no one else is allowed to be. And he is in God's presence. That's amazing. This is no slouch. He's a spiritual man. It says, uh, Zechariah was, oh no, I'm sorry. Zechariah was in the sanctuary when, oh, while the incense was burning, sorry, I had to go backwards. While the incense was burning, a great crowd stood outside praying. Zechariah was in the sanctuary when an angel of the Lord appeared standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was overwhelmed with fear, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for he has heard your prayer and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice with you at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or hard liquor. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will persuade many Israelites to turn to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah the prophet of old. He will precede the coming of the Lord, preparing the people for his arrival. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will change disobedient minds to accept godly wisdom. And before we go on, I just want to point out here some little sweet thing that we can learn about God just from this particular passage, is that here we have this incredibly righteous couple, and yet she was barren. Of course, we look at this and we go, we can go, I'm sure she felt a million times, why can't I get pregnant? Why can't I have a baby? We do this so many times. Why can't I have a baby? Why am I not married? Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? Coming to the conclusion at times, the bitter conclusion that God is not on our side and he is holding out on us. But here we see that God was not holding out on her but he was reserving her for something much bigger. She was not having children like everybody else were having children, yes. She probably longed for that millions of times. But it's because she was going to be the mother of the person that would prepare the way for the Messiah. And God was going to work a miracle, not only that, she was going to bear a son in her older years. What? And we all know, you really can't enjoy things till you're a little older. 
You just don't know what to enjoy. You just don't have the right perspective. And when you get older, you can really enjoy the blessings. You get it. He was not holding out on her. He is never holding out on us. He is saving us for something better. Always. Isn't that a sweet thing to think about? But here we go. He is in there. He's, he's lighting that incense, and he has this big, you know, moment where Gabriel comes and stands before him and tells him this huge thing that's going to happen, and you're going to be the father of this person that's going to have the same, you know, sort of spirit that is going to, that's going to usher in the kingdom of God, basically. And Zechariah says to the angel in verse 18, how can I know this will happen? I'm old men now, and my wife is also well along in years. And you know, I think that if he had had a little time to think about it, I'm not sure that this would have been this great spiritual righteous man's response. You know, Zechariah is a check for me, and he could be a check for us all. I've been a disciple a long time. You feel like you've been a disciple a long time? This guy was waiting on the kingdom of God. That's all he was doing. He knew the prophecies. This is what Israel was doing right now is they were waiting on the kingdom. They were waiting on the Messiah. Everything in their teaching was about learning the prophecies about the Messiah that was to come. And here comes this angel standing in front of him, giving him this good news, and he missed it. He missed it. And this is also one of those scenes that I want to see on replay. When we get to heaven, I want to see this scene played out. Because I don't know how these next words came out from Gabriel. Now, we got a lot of actresses in the audience. And I'm sure you guys can play this scene out. And maybe a million different ways and make it work a lot of different ways. But I picture it something like this. And, you know, when I get to heaven, I'll know I was either wrong or I was right. But I'm going to go with it for me right now. Zechariah says to the angel, how can I know this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. And the angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. I mean, I kind of picture this like, hello, have you noticed there's an angel standing in the presence of God? Like, did you notice that usually you come back here and there's no one here and you're all by yourself and I have appeared out of nowhere? I am so scared of this, disciples. I am so scared of being this person. I am so scared of making it my life to preach about God and to lift him up and to glorify him and miss something as big as an angel in my presence. This last week in my home, I experienced a miracle. Some of you have heard about it, but we had a, a day of no fighting in our house. This is a miracle. This is an absolute hands-down miracle. And in the moment, I was so busy, I missed it. And the next day on my prayer work, I had to go, whoa, I don't want to miss what God's doing here, being ready to go on to the next thing. He had been waiting on this his whole life, and he almost missed it. He doubted openly. You know, if he'd had more time, he might have thought it through. But, you know, that's not how life works. Life comes at you fast, as we have heard. 
And a lot of times what's really in your heart just oozes out, just comes out, just bam. And in that moment, the doubt came out. (laughs) And what happens after this is he says, and now, since you didn't believe what I said, you won't be able to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly come true at the proper time. And here is this incredible thing that only God can do. And that is that he can, in, in, in real time, at exactly the same time, completely forgive someone, use them, and give them consequences all at the same time. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Like, it, you know, just because you mess up and you doubt and your doubt comes out and all that, you're, you're not done. I mean, God's still going to use you. He's just going to be like, okay, and now you're not going to get to talk. So let's go. You know what I mean? Like, I picture him like, you know, one of those moms like me that's like, okay, that's it. I've had enough. Be quiet. Now let's go. You know, in this moment, he was still going to use Zechariah, and he did. But he also gave him consequences and said, this was not right what you did. And I'm going to talk later in another class about how that differed from Mary's response and why it differed. You know, later, because Mary does say, he comes to Mary too and says, you're going to do this thing. And she says, wait, how's this going to work? But do you, you know, cause I'm a virgin, but do you see the difference? Like, wait, wait, okay. How's this going to work too? How can I be sure this is going to happen? We have to be careful that we don't miss it. We don't miss what God is doing, even in all of our religiosity. But what was he given here? He was given the task of bringing in the person that was going to usher in Jesus on this planet. Okay, this is a big deal. Jesus is such a big deal that all time is counted by him. He's such a big deal that without him, nothing was created. In all of, in anything we can see and unseen, nothing was created. Jesus was such a big deal that he could not come until somebody had prepared the way. He couldn't just come. There had to be something preparing us. It reminds me of that funny, or it's not a funny movie, but that old movie with Jack Nicholson where he says, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. You want the Messiah? You can't handle the Messiah. We're going to have to do something to get prepared for him. And I would want to propose to you tonight that this is what God is calling you to do right now is to prepare for the Messiah. They were preparing for the first coming. We are preparing for the second coming. You know, the Advent season never got really, you know, it got, it it, it got named in the, in the early church, in the medieval times. But this is the first Advent. This is the first time anybody anywhere was aware Jesus is coming soon. You better get ready. And that's what God is saying to you tonight. Jesus is coming soon and you better get ready. And that's what we need to figure out what to do. What should we be doing during this time? We're supposed to be making Christmas cards and bang, Christmas presents and blah, blah, blah. We all know those things. Those things, we already know those things. What does God want us to do? Well, he gives us a little hint right here before John has even been born. He says what he's going to do. And the first thing he says he's going to do is he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. John's job was to come here and get people ready for Jesus. And the first thing he said was we were going to fix these families around here automatically assuming that there were problems between parents and kids in this year, 2,000 years ago. 
You don't have anything new going on in your home if it is messed up. That has been going on for thousands of years because of the first thing that John was going to do, turn the hearts of the parents towards their kids. Because I'll tell you what happens in families. Sin. That's what happens in families. You sin against each other and you don't want to forgive. And somebody hurts your heart and you still don't want to forgive. And then they hurt it some more and then you're really mad. And it creates an animosity that is so strong that we can't even spend a holiday together. You know that's true. Well, that's what John was coming to do away with. He was coming to tell the people. He was turning the hearts of the parents towards their children. God always desires for the parents to repent. Always. It's always top down. He always desires for the leaders to lead the way in humility and repentance always. The home, I've said it millions of times, is the laboratory for, for God. It's his laboratory. It's not the church. It's the home. The home shows your heart. The home shows your discipleship. I can fool so many. Well, I'm not very good at it. Actually, I kind of one of those people who can't really fool anyone. So I shouldn't say that. But a lot of you guys... You can fool a lot of people. (laughs) When you come to church, you can look however you want. But when you're at home, everybody knows the truth. That's why that was the first thing he was sent to do. He was going to turn those those houses around, those households around. Then it says he's going to, after that, he will change the disobedient minds to accept godly wisdom. Oh, my goodness, don't we need this. All of our disobedient hearts... We just don't want to obey. But we forget what we miss is wisdom. So he's trying to turn us back to that. So let's see what happens. We're going to skip ahead, not because I don't want to talk about all that stuff. I do. But I want to talk about this one particular thing about preparing. So let's move ahead to what John did when he finally came on the scene. He's born and he starts his ministry. Now we know he was eccentric. He was, we had the Holy Spirit living in him. He was out in the wilderness and all that kind of stuff. But I want to talk about what he started saying. So let's turn over to Luke 3 and start reading in verse 4. Well, for, we, can, we can read a little bit before that because in verse 3 it says, Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that the people should be baptized to show they had turned from their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He's a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare a pathway for the Lord's coming. Make straight road for him. Make a straight road for him. Fill in the valleys. Level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. And then all the people will see the salvation sent from God. Here is a sample of John's preaching to the crowds that came for baptism. Are you guys ready? Get ready. It's just a sample. It's like on iTunes, sample. No, I don't like that one. Or Audible, you could hear. I don't like that reader. No. Next one. I want to hear that. Oh, I like that guy, right? Well, here's just a sample. You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee from God's coming judgment? Prove by the way that you live that you have really turned from your sins and turned to God. Don't just say, we're safe. We're the descendants of Abraham. That proves nothing. God can change these stones here into children of Abraham. 
Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised and ready to sever your roots. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowd asked, what should we do? John replied, well, if you have two coats, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? Show your honesty, he replied. Make sure you collect no more taxes than the Roman government requires you to. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. And John replied, Don't extort money. And don't accuse people of things you know they didn't do. And be content with your pay. And it is just an an amazing sample of John's teaching, isn't it? It's amazing. Hear me when I say this, that the path to righteousness is always paved with repentance. That was why he came. That is why people were not ready for Jesus Christ, because they needed to repent. This time of year of waiting for Jesus Christ to come is about repentance, First, that is the number one thing that we're supposed to be doing during this time. This is how you prepare for the holiday season. Prepare, fill, level, straighten, smooth. Those are action words. Those are words that he was calling the people to do. He wasn't saying that God was going to level the mountains and God was going to fill up the valleys. He said, you do it. You level the mountains. You fill up the valleys. You set your ways straight. And what did they ask? Well, what should we do? What do I do? What do I do? I'm in college. How do I do this? What do I do? I'm in high school. How do I do this? What do I do? I'm a stay-at-home mom. How do I do this? What do I do? I'm a working mom. How do I do this? What do I do? I'm a single woman. What do I do? Well, I wrote down some ideas for you. You need to repent. You need to repent of your self-focus, your jealousy of other people's marriages, your greed for more, your attitudes with your husband, your criticalness of the leaders in your life, your judgment of others in general, your bitterness with your life circumstances, your lack of forgiveness for someone who has sinned against you, your bitterness towards someone who doesn't like you, your constant justifications, your judgmental attitudes towards another's parenting, which all started because you thought they were judging your parenting anyways. Your competitive spirits and your selfish ambition for your children. Your envy of other people's homes and their clothes and their bodies and their hair. Your continual self-focus in the fellowship. Your tendency to talk too much. Your incessant desire to get your needs met. Your bad attitudes towards your schoolwork or your housework or any work. Your bad attitude towards your parents, your teachers, your employers, your co-workers, your justification of your own thoughts, your record of wrongs, your consistent and repetitive being late to anything and everything, especially church. Your pride and arrogance in not listening to advice or even seeking it at all. 
Your justification for, over, for overeating. Your indulgence of the flesh. Your yelling in the home. Your constant tension-filled home. You're whining about your life. You're sleeping through the alarm repeatedly. Your justification of being super grumpy in the mornings because that's just how you are. Your requirement that everyone give to you. Your inability to get along with others. Your gossip. Your eye rolling. Your incessant focus on your appearance and what others think about you. Did you find at least one? Surely there is something that you can repent of. Clear a straight path for him. Jesus is coming. We fool ourselves into thinking that we know the time and date when he's going to come because it's not tomorrow. For sure, we know it. We for sure know he's not coming tomorrow. How do you know that? Why do you live like that? Come on now. What are you waiting for? Repent, as Paul said, so that times of refreshment can come. We forget we're giving up nothing. We're gaining everything. I guarantee you every misery in your life is because you need to repent of something. And that refreshment is waiting. God is looking to bless us in every way. As God said to Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Why is your face downcast? And as Isaiah would say, come on now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat from the best of the land, Isaiah 1. I suggest you memorize it. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for something to click? Are you, are you waiting for somebody else to go and do it for you? Are you waiting for someone to give you the exact right advice? The program for repentance that you need? The perfect diagnosis? Someone to fix you? You do it. You level, you fill, you straighten, you smooth. You prepare the way for the Lord. Perhaps you're just too busy. You're just too busy. It's no accident that Satan has taken this holiday season captive to keep you as busy as possible, considering this is the first advent and this is what we're supposed to be doing. This entire time is supposed to be about you preparing your heart for Jesus Christ. I want you to think on a very tangible level. I want you to think tomorrow, 15 minutes in your quiet time. I want you to think if Jesus, if I knew for, one, for a fact that Jesus was coming on December 25th, how would I live differently? What if he did? Did you know that that's what we're celebrating? We're celebrating that he's coming back. We're waiting in eager expectation that he's coming. It will change the way we live. All that weight you've been waiting to lose. Oh, yeah, I keep going. I, just, I know, I've got to get it back to the weight. I've got to, I've got to, but, you know, I, I just can't figure out what's going on. Repent. Go back. Repent. 
you get all lonely and all this stuff during the holiday times because all the holiday movies and the guys and the whatever, and I'm so lonely and I'm gonna. Then get surrounded by your friends. You move, you straighten, you fill, you level. People are anesthetized by pleasure and sheer distraction like the lotus eaters of Homer. Honestly, as the church or the bride of Christ, we should conduct ourselves as if we seriously knew Jesus was coming back on, on December 25th. Stop doing the stuff that doesn't matter. Is this challenging? Yes, it's challenging. My focus, my focus right now is very challenging. My focus is I'm trying to turn a family... <laughs> Uh, that seems to be bent on destruction. I don't know. It just seems like we are going to find a way to fight about everything. And I'm trying to take that and go, what can I change? Well, I can change me. And I can strive with all of his energy (laughs) to create an environment that's different. So is my, challenge, is my task challenging? Absolutely. And honestly, guys, I don't even know how to do it. I'm, most of the time, I don't even know how to do it. But I know that love covers over a multitude of sins. And I know that Jesus makes up for what I can't do. And if there's any righteousness in my body, it is because of Jesus Christ. And he said he can do it. So I'm going to believe him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me right? I'm going to strive with all of his energy to believe that this can be done. Now, I don't quite know yet how to do this and get anything else done. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just, just flat out honest with you. I mean, like, it's hilarious because we had this really great holiday, and it, it, it really was, it really was great. It was a miraculous gift from God. But, you know, you didn't have to do anything. You know, we weren't, like, doing math. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I didn't have to actually accomplish anything. And, you know, by the time Monday got here, you know, Monday, I was so, I, honestly, what I've decided is, I don't care if anything else gets done. This Advent season of miracles is going to happen. And I'm buying the field. That's what I did. I put all my treasure in that box. And I said, well, I'm not sure how everything else is going to go. My, I got I got this violin class I'm supposed to lead. I'm not, I've never prepared for. I've got these other classes I'm supposed to teach that I'm never prepared for. I, I'm, I, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, but I'll tell you what's going to happen. This family is going to change and I'm going to change. What are you going to change? That's my question to you. What are you going to change? What are you doing to change? I heard that Julie Domingo, is she here? That she's going to get baptized on Sunday. That's a change. <laughs> that's great. Cat getting restored. That's a change. This is what God wants from our life. But he doesn't want it from people who are just now getting baptized or getting restored. He wants it from you, you 35-year-old disciple. He wants this to be a new year for you. He wants you to repent. This is a season to repent, and it's wonderful. Don't forget 
how awesome repentance can be. Don't forget that every blessing comes from repentance. Me and uh, Tori were laughing. I hope you don't mind me telling this story. I shall, ay, ay, ay. But so Tori has been, she made it public that her thing is, this is Tori Holland. So I know there's so many Tori, Tori, uh, Tori and Tori. But Tori Holland made it, made it public that she was going after her perfectionism and that she was going to nail this to the cross, right? And so everything goes wrong, of course. And so what was so funny is that we were supposed to both be at the same party on Sunday night. And, uh, well, both of us were very late, we'll just say. Both of us were, but what happened with that was, because of that, we got this extra special blessing to get to sit together. <laughs> I said, see, Tori, when you just are obedient, God blesses it. <laughs> these are these unexpected blessings that happen when we are going about the business of obeying and repenting. It cannot be un, it, it can't be overdone. You cannot outgive God. You cannot give up more than he is willing to give. In fact, it's immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. We struggle thinking we're getting ready, and it's just complete freedom on the other side. Whatever you need to do to repent. People say, well, how do I do it? How do I do it? Whatever you need to do. How about the CR analogy? If you knew you were going to get a million dollars, would you have been here on time? Yeah, you would have, right? If you knew you were going to get a million dollars, if you didn't put that next bite in your mouth, would you do it? If you knew you were going to get a million dollars, if you just... (laughs) Such a small opening. (laughs) It seems it should be so much easier. Oh my goodness gracious. It's like Jay has been getting up our, I want our son to go running every day because they're both in training and they have to get up and run. I mean, you know, trying to get your son up to run that in the morning before it's light outside, you know what I'm saying? So that's already something. So that's hard. He goes, yeah, but that's the easy part. It's me keeping my mouth shut. That's the hard part. And don't we all know that? But if you knew you're going to get a million dollars if you kept your mouth shut. And some of us just need to flat out repent of our, our ugly hearts. We have justified in our hearts that somebody else is unreasonable and it gives us license to be ungodly. Like, it's okay for me to roll my eyes because the other person talked to me in a disrespectful way. It's okay for me to be bitter because my life circumstances are hard. It's okay for me to argue because the authority is wrong. All those things I just mentioned, just so you know, those are all wrong. And we have to repent of those things because we have to prepare our hearts. Tonight is about preparing your heart. What do you need to do? What do you need to repent of so that you can live as if Jesus is coming back? Don't forget, everything will be be uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Live with that accountability in your life right now until we celebrate his coming on December 25th. All right, let's go to our groups.